Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Safranis, and today we have a very special guest with us, Sebastian Wynn. Sebastian and I work together at IBM, although we don't work directly together because I'm in the analytics organization and the marketing organization, and Sebastian is a designer. Um, and so we're going to learn all about design today. Sebastian, I'm so glad to have you on. Would you like to in- introduce yourself? Thank you very much for having me, Alex. My name is Sebastian. I am a senior designer at account-based industries marketing, and it's an incredible pleasure having this opportunity to chat with you and your audience. I guess a little bit about myself. Um, I like to consider myself a complete, well-rounded design geek. I've come out of that closet many, many years ago, and I completely am prideful in flying my geek flag and I love all things design and all things uh, typography, color. I could talk about color for hours if you would let me. Wow. What's your favorite color? I I would say my favorite color is actually pink. Great color. (laughs) I love pink. Uh, Pink... um, Pink is. I would also like to be. Con- I would like to consider a power color. It's always. It's often been considered a soft and more demure, uh, demure color. But I think when used properly and correctly, it could be quite powerful. And there's a, there are quite a lot of brands in existence that use pink as their primary color, and it's incredible. And c- color. Design would be nowhere without a good colorist involved. So you're absolutely right, Alex, in starting the design conversation on color. Just starting from like a high level, what is the part of your job that you love the most? You know, you're going into work and you're like, I'm so excited for today because I get to do this. So I was on a panel discussion with my boss, Suzanne Brown, and I said, Suzanne, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but I never feel like I'm actually working. I feel like every day, at every moment, I'm working, I'm playing. I'm, of course, in with the needs of the company in mind. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm playing with forms and shapes and layouts and grids. It's all just fun, and in the challenging days are my best days, and that's when you'll see me just steam coming out of my ears and I'm just fiercely fiercely typing away or moving pixels or working with somebody more often than not and getting amazing work and that's what I love about my job my day-to-day is just so incredible I get to have so many different touch points so many media it's incredible yeah, what <clears throat> what work do you work on that um, people might have seen? Like, what kinds of visuals? So I own the product um, Industry City, um, which most IBMers and outside would see uh, <clears throat> as one of the hero assets for Think 2020. And we are actually all using it again in Think 2021 with a lot of incredible updates. And I think this is where we start actually talking about how analytics and design really come hand in hand. We took a lot of findings from user testing, from 
user results into future features that we call on the product. Inter- say more about the interface with analytics. What, how else do you use analytics to inform design? Well, one of the biggest uh, misconceptions a lot of people have when, in terms of design is that it's purely subjective. They're, they're, it's not traceable. But that's just bad design. Bad design has a methodology, uh, more often than not, especially for folks like myself and a lot of design thinkers, it's very methodical. And it really is very close, uh, closely akin to the scientific methodology. So we always look at what the problem statement is, what the problem we're trying to solve. We look and make observations we ha- have a whole bunch of, we ideate on a whole bunch of ideations and theories and hypotheses, and then we find ways to execute it and, and then more importantly, test it in, in the wild. Yeah, what, what does that testing look like? How do you, you, do you gather people into a room and ask them a bunch of questions or is it done online is in some sort of portal? Like, how do you actually test it with people? Yes and yes. So we, in pre-COVID times, we actually had user testing. And when I was the art director to the Industrious Magazine, I would actually put 10 minutes on my colleague's calendar and say, I'm not going to say anything. I'm, I would like you to just experience this magazine. Start from the the front cover, go all the way to the back cover, and then give me your feedback. So that's one very re- uh, real way that we designers have user testing. Another methodology would be the A-B testing. We would say, do two final, um, from maybe 200 cover options, we'll narrow it down to, let's say, two. And then from there, we'll, we'll ask a group of a panel of users and say, which one do you prefer and why? Which one resonates with you? Which one does not resonate with you? What does this mean to you? And that's pretty much two of the main kinds we do. There are quantitative and qualitative as well. But for all intent and purposes, it really is depending on dependent on the on the product, on the project, whom the intended audience is. We try to, of course, align the the user tester with our audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> now, you, you mentioned that you might have 200 early iterations of a particular design and you will narrow them down. That kind of got me thinking, um, you know, could a computer generate 10,000 different iterations of something? Or, or, you know, how can a computer um, do, can a computer do that? That, like, um, focusing in on what's what design is really working. I'm, I'm trying to get at, like, um, how much of this job really requires artistic intuition into what should be an option and how much of it is trial and error? I would actually correct you in saying it's not artistic intuition, but years and years and years of training. What we could train an artificial intelligent program to do is to recognize what constitutes quote-unquote good design. 
However, could the, could that replace the role of a senior designer, <clears throat> a role of a creative director? Absolutely not. We we <clears throat> maybe in ten years, maybe in fifteen years. AI could step in and make our jobs easier. It already has. If you look at the evolution of our the programs to actually get us there, back in twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, to make twenty five iterations, not even two hundred iteration, would take weeks. Now it's a matter of just copying and pasting, or just creating a whole bunch of compositions in our design programs. So, I see intelligent um, artificial intelligence not really as a standalone, but something that will augment the workflow for a lot of creators. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think that you know AI is all about augmentation. It's not really replacing a lot of these. Um, more artistic roles even in marketing a lot of the talk is about uh, how can we augment the process or the um, optimization process but never how do we replace the people who are writing the uh, copy or, or something but but we will have um, technology that can a b test the copy against itself and help um, narrow down to what's really working um, and i think that's such a cool application of ai um, hand in hand with design it it feels really cool i i think <clears throat> in in the bigger picture of things we have to be incredibly careful and i i would agree with you wholeheartedly with one huge caveat and it's it's not just with ai it's with design as a practice we need to remember the humanity that we're designing toward we're not designing or making for a void we are actually designing to answer a brief so if we ever forget the user we are in deep trouble so the roles of a good designer or a good creative in general has to always first and foremost the user in mind yeah as a user yourself, what are some of the different creatives that have really stood out to you over the time, or maybe even a company that creates creatives that you really resonate with? So some of the companies that I absolutely adore would be huge. It's a multidisciplinary, full-service studio that I absolutely adore. They make incredibly smart work. They make very poignant work. They make very human work. Another agency that I absolutely love is Red Antler. They do some of the most beautiful campaign. Um, of course, there there are always going to be the vanguards. There's always going to be the pentagrams in the world. There's always going to be Mooka design. There's always going to be Lippincott and Ogilvy, giant machines that pump out really, really smart work. And if we were to look at the design world, I would say 
in the in we have a lot of living legends like Paula Cher, Michael Beirut, Debbie Millman, are all incredible design thinkers. What makes somebody a great design thinker? Somebody who gets it. Somebody who understands the need of the brief, the fact that it's not a, it's not they're not making fun arts. They are making work that resonates with the intended audience, and Paula Cher, who when she did the city logo, city group logo, was famous for saying how she just drew her idea on a napkin. <clears throat> and the client said, "Wow, you did this in five minutes." And Paula said, "Yeah, but I also had over thirty years of experience and practicing to get to where I could make this in five minutes." Yeah. Do you ever measure how well something resonates with an audience, and how would you do that? Absolutely, and if we don't do it, then we're not doing our job holistically. <clears throat> and in the perfect world, very much like the way we operate in IBM, we work very closely with data and analytics. We design user testing and group testing and focus group testing to make sure that our work resonates with whomever we're intending it to be. Like the audience to be, if I'm producing something for an inside IBM audience, it's going to be a very different tone. It's going to be a lot of a very different feel than if I'm working on something that's strictly client facing. Yeah, and would you do you use things like eye tracking, or is it more user inputted? Um, you know, quali- qualitative. Like how how did I feel seeing this? Um, ad versus this one is is it more like user inputted or is it like actual measurement like i don't know somebody's heart rate when they see one ad versus another things like that which would you say <coughs> typically is measured oh alex you are singing my <laughs> song i w- <laughs> i wish there was a way for us to strap every single user we are testing <clears throat> To measure their biometrics, but unfortunately, that is incredibly expensive and intrusive. Yeah. So, so <laughs> maybe one day we'll 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 have to send a proposal out to Ari and see what he thinks. But <laughs> until until that moment, I think a lot of what we do is really quantitative and qualitative. So, Alex, what when you're experiencing industry city? What do you like about it? What tell 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 me what part of this experience most makes sense to you? What part of this talks to you? And more importantly, what what does it not say to you? What's missing from this experience? What could be better? It's not and as somebody who fully embraces radical candor, I rather have constructive feedback. Than just praises. Praises get me nowhere. It's when I get a lot of constructive feedback. Is when the product could go from good to great. Absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually right now I'm creating a dashboard, and this whole week I've been collecting feedback, and I'm sure, um, you know, if I didn't have the tolerance I do, 
um, for criticism, it would have been tough. But th- I see it as a great thing. Thank, uh, thank you for giving me all these things that can take this from here to the stratosphere. Because um, that's what we, you know, at the end of the day, we're all on the same team. I want to move on to um, talking a little bit more about the business side of, um, you know, uh, of, of design. Um, how much do you spend, uh, would you say, on the artistic side versus the business side? If you can draw a distinction. I would like to say it depends on which phase of the project we're in. Um, if a designer is ignoring the business need, then it's a failure right away. We're not here to make fine arts. We're here to solve a business problem again. So we always try in the beginning when I'm working with a team or on a new project, I always ask the stakeholders, what's your OKR? What are, how do you define success? What does this thing need to do for you? What does it need to say for you? How should it convey a message for you? And most importantly, what is your message? Those are the basic table stakes that most designers, most decent designer, I'm not even talking about a good designer, a decent designer should be able to say to somebody, ask somebody, what is this that we're trying to do? And then, of course, who's the audience? We could go even deeper and say, what, what's the audience's mindset when they're using this? What, what, what do we want them to feel? How do we want them to, what do we want them to say about your product or project? And finally, what's the outcome? What's the takeaway from the audience? And if we were just to step back and just look at design and not just talk about good design, let's talk about bad design. What happens with bad design? Bad design results in not just bad business. It's a whole lot of just failures in a lot of different parts. The UI design and the UX design for the nuclear power plant could have been avoided if they had a more robust design consideration when they were putting the consoles together, the dashboards together. If we were to look at the butterfly ballot that they had in Florida during an election, mm-hmm. it was a complete design mishap. Yeah, so, you're right. And a lot of times people say, well, why should I bring in a designer so early on? They're going to just slow us down. But if you really think about it as from an analytical point of view, if you if you don't lay the foundations of having all your OKRs in line and then finding a way to measure your KPI, well, I did identifying what your KPIs are and the methodology to measure and curate your and um to ultimately gather all that data and to analyze it appropriately, you are bound to fail. You can't just say, I, I'm going to test this and test it and say, okay, I've done my due diligence of testing. But if you look at the results, what are you really testing against? As you're saying this, it's making me un- like realize how abundant design is. 
like how often things you see were designed by somebody you don't it's not something you think about a lot but the layout of a train station or the layout of a city block um or um you know everything everything is from a designer even landscaping is is a form of design as it's really cool to think about you know it's the same idea that we want to make this both beautiful and effective and in line with whatever your goals are but it's a, it's very visual um and i th- i think it's really cool this is really opening my mind up to you know the true role of a designer because previous to you i really hadn't known anybody who worked in design so it it i never understood the depth of of this role it's really cool well <clears throat> just just one of my favorite um designers of all time massimo vignelli who was responsible for one of the original new york city subway station maps said i'm not here to make uh, something pretty for you i'm here to solve help you solve a problem by asking you all the hard questions so we could find a solution that truly solves your needs so i stopped calling myself a graphic designer or a communications designer or an interactive designer i don't like to be pigeonholed because in the grand scheme of things and as you said design is everywhere and most designers are not just somebody who does one thing we're not just an ad maker we're not just an experienced designer we have a lot of consideration in our methodology to be a successful practitioner of our discipline and i don't call it a craft i call it a discipline because design is something that is very much like an athlete you train yourself you build yourself up through many 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 years of iterations <clears throat> of practices of more most importantly of failures there are more, i fail more more often than not alex and yeah. that's okay as long as you iterate right as, as long as you move forward keep trying new things that's you'll eventually get where you need to go absolutely most important thing is to learn from it so alex yeah. i'm going to ask you a question <clears throat> please in your role how important is <clears throat> pardon me how important are the metrics of content in your day to day in terms of marketing. Yeah, so you're saying like of our ads that we're putting online that that you can see like how important are those metrics? Absolutely. Um, right now it's very important. Um you know, it's interesting that you brought up the concept of creating a lot of creatives and then narrowing them down to a few. Right now we're looking at the technology to create display ads online and for anybody who doesn't know display ads are just you know the um, big image advertisements you see on websites sometimes on the sides 
and we're working on a way to create these on the fly. And there's a you know a lot of vendors out there who can do it, and um, so in order for this to succeed, it it is basically taking. I, I heard the analogy today. It's like you're baking chocolate chip cookies, and each time you try the recipe, um, you try it a little bit differently until you get the perfect recipe. And that's sim that's the same idea as what this technology does, where it takes a different tagline, a different background image, a different font. Um, or color, and and it tests the different combinations to see what resonates the most, what's causing the most engagement, what's bringing people in. And this is actually something I'm working on right now, which which is uh, why I love I love that you asked this question. It's it's critical that we have information related to the creative, um, you know, it, 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 in terms of these different things that can change. So I ask this a lot to of my um, analytics counterpart. How can we better communicate with you? Because obviously we work in the ethereal realms that most people perceive designers to be. This all about feel, and you and your discipline folks are all about the hard numbers. How do you envision us working better? Yeah, um, it's tough for me to answer because I don't have a lot of experience working. I don't have any experience working directly with designers, so um, I don't know how it can be better. I would imagine that there's a lot more opportunity to collaborate on the data gathering front uh, in terms of users. I find that idea like very interesting um, in terms of data collection and. Um, once you have the data, how do you look at it to tell us how effective ads really are being? Um, because there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. It's not just about how somebody responds in a room when they're asked to um, respond to a particular creative. You know, how does this make you feel? What are you taking away from it? What are you not seeing? Like you were mentioning, but I think it also could be in the real world, when we serve somebody this ad, when we serve somebody this creative, do they come back and visit our page? How long does it take them to do so? And just I'm trying to understand the behavior of somebody more so more than in the just that moment. You know, a lot of the time we get caught up looking at click-through rates and what's happening in the very that very second. Um, you know, somebody clicks on the ad, then they leave the page. Ten seconds later, we're like, oh, that sucked. And then somebody else goes and spends a minute on the page and we're like, yeah, that's awesome. And they click one button and we're like, oh my gosh, amazing. Um, and so in the moment it's, it's uh, good, but I think what takes the analytics that takes it a step further is when you can look at context in, in terms of user behavior, are they more likely to buy after this? And can we do like a longer term study to actually see how the behavioral patterns of how somebody makes their purchase changes once they see this set of ads versus that set of ads and see what is really driving that connection with the customer. So I think in terms of that, like the effect of creatives, I think that is where there could be more collaboration. That sounds incredible. So when do we sign up? <laughs> Next week. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's Amazing. Start our own startup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, for, for anybody listening, Sebastian and I, we just worked together, uh, you know, completely different uh, floors even, but but on the common floor and the common area, we just bumped into each other during an improv show. And man, you know, you don't have to work with somebody to, to really connect with them and uh, get to know them. And that was the best part about in-person uh, working. That, definitely the best, the people you run into. I absolutely miss the office, man. I, <clears throat> one day soon, one day soon, I just got my second shot. So I am looking forward to the day where we could have that coffee break again in person, Alex. Uh, I cannot wait. Let me ask you one last question, Sebastian. Um, and this is for all the kids who loved art, loved sketching, and they were told, go to college and get a real job. How do you react to that? <clears throat> Um, I, as the old saying goes, there are many roads leading to Rome and there are many ways to make a living. Success is incredibly subjective to the individual, individual. If you are somebody that loves the art, learn the arts, really learn about why you love it and see if it's something that is fulfilling for you and you can make a meaningful life out of it or is it just something that you just like to do on your free time i think we often confuse passion with real life we can't feed ourselves or the people we care for with dream money so be sure that Yes, go for your dream, but make sure it's something that's realistic and something that you could really look at and say, this is a livelihood. So is school for everybody? Absolutely not. That's why what the, the school that I graduated from, actually, I would say it's more of a trade school where people who come, graduate from the program actually acquire skill sets that they could transfer into a real marketplace and make themselves marketable. If you're just doing art for art's sake, I, I think it's great, but it's a really hard journey. It's not saying don't do it. I still do my visual art on the side, but it's not my main gig because I've learned that I, as, <clears throat> as a refugee, coming to America and making something for myself, I am not able to sustain my livelihood from just making visual arts. Yeah, that's that's a really good voice of wisdom to anybody, um, you know, that's facing this really difficult decision as you enter college and you're told that you have to make these decisions that are going to determine the rest of your life. Man, it's complicated and so that's that's good to know and i think and i think that's good for two reasons one it's good to give people a sense of the reality of you know you're probably not going to be able to do what you just have fun doing for the rest of your life and have like a totally balanced life um and at the same but at the same time you can keep your passion and find a parallel job in the workforce that allows you to feel like you're just having fun and 
make and then you will have that balanced life and so i think that's kind of what you're describing where you have to find that happy medium between the two um and it's a great you know sign that that you're you're a testament to that that you do have fun in your job and you are are you know that artistic person that probably was told you know that that it wasn't as valid as some other job i i mean i i don't mean to speak for you but um everybody hears that my, my sister is an artist and she's been struggling with that as well well alex i'm asian american and the careers for an asian american are quite limited we're either doctors lawyers or <laughs> pharmacists or an accountant and if you're in the creative field you are an architect i did not <laughs> think that i would find my, a lot of joy in a business world where I had to just look at financial numbers for somebody day in and day out. I, and you know what? I struggled. I did not actually hit my stride until a lot later in my career. I did a lot of the menial in-house gallery where I was a pixel pusher for many, many years. And that's where I learned to be good. I learned to be great because I knew how to just address table stakes and then some. I would Somebody would say to me, hey, Sebastian, I need to have a, de- a magazine designed. And most designers would just say, okay, I'm going to design a magazine for you with from a template without even asking you who it's for, what it is, what's communicating. So again, to really bring it back to a holistic practice, it's not something that happens overnight. You could have an innate sense of style, an innate design of what design should be, but you're not going to be a great designer overnight. You need practice. You need to do all the grunt work and to this day the people that i love i remember when i was working for uh chermayev and geismar super giants of the design world until the day um ivan passed a a week before he passed he was still in in his office still sketching out logos for his clients and he was in his late 80s. So, wow. yeah. And and this person didn't have to. His name itself would have sold anybody. But he insisted, when he could, to go to every single meeting. And was with us designers. Helping us understand form and design. Wow. Well, man, I I wish we could keep talking forever. I mean, I'll have to have you on for another episode. Um, But Sebastian, I just want to say thank you for for sharing all of your thoughts and and inspiring young artists out there, I'm sure. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Alex. All right. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you.